G'day, you're listening to the Big Breakdown Podcast with Chris Stafford and Harrison Marshall. Take it away, fellas. Hello and welcome along to Season 3 of the Big Breakdown Podcast, where in this season we are looking at coaching skills and today we are looking at theming. Um... Harrison, the, the last two weeks, uh, the podcast seems to have gone a little bit nuts in terms of uh, listeners. Mark, Bennett, and um, Jack have uh, have quite a following by the looks of it because uh, we've 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 massively increased in listeners uh, all around the world. Yeah, well, uh, we, we did warn that that Mark Bennett episode was going to be um, certainly one that full of golden nuggets, and then we backed that up with uh, another cracking episode with Jack. And and I think the most pleasing thing for us is that. Yeah, a lot of our all of our friends in rugby have have come back and said they've really enjoyed both episodes of the podcast. But to hear it from lots of different sports and almost just people from around the world, I think the world of handball. I think we were getting messages saying that it was a cracking, it was a cracking lesson. So yeah, it's what the pod was here. It's why we created the pod to help coaches at all levels, especially at grassroots level. And it's and it's so pleasing to hear that so many people listen to it now. I agree. And, and for Mark's episode, especially Mark's just recently uh, released a lot of his own materials. So I'd, I'd definitely direct you to his Twitter where he's um, he's got a lot of content on there for you to look at. And today, today we've got another, another exciting episode with a guest who is um, creating a new movement within coaching um, on this idea of themes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and like you and I are going into this conversation now with with a brief idea of what theming is, but hopefully by the end of it, we'll have, you know, a newfound confidence to want to go and try it in our own environments that we've done with. Well, like so many other guests we've had now. No, definitely. Definitely. So today we are joined by David Sharkey. David is director of Team Architect Limited, whose aim is to help coaches to develop connection, collaboration, and cohesion between the people and their teams. In his day job, David is an English teacher in London, a rugby union coach at the HAC, and writer of the Great White Sharky blog. David is influencing the coaching world on theming, and since June 2020, has been working as a consultant with Roman O'Gara at La Rochelle, where in that time, O'Gara has helped La Rochelle to two major milestones, their first ever top 14 and Champions Cup final. David joins us today to discuss his journey using, using themes in coaching. David, how are you? Uh, very well. Thanks a million for having me on. Looking forward to, uh, looking forward to the chat. Um, I'm really looking forward to having you on actually because I've, I've been looking at sort of this idea of, of theming for for quite a while sort of how I could apply it to my own sort of environment and it's something that I, I want to learn more about um, but I suppose what just to start us off straight away is for the for the people that are listening that haven't really um, heard of this idea of theming before what is it and, and what does it bring to a coaching environment? I think uh, just to touch on aspects of, of you coming across theming there I think it's a I think it's good that that coaches are being uh, skeptical. There's a kind of healthy skepticism because with an awful lot of information that we can interact with, there's a lot of things that could be uh, very useful and incredible and look great, but actually not suitable for your context. So I think it's good that uh, that coaches maybe are interested in these kinds of things, but knowing whether it fits for them and suits for them, that's the first thing I'd say. But to to, to your question about what what is theming, for me, I would define theming as using a, an idea, a concept, a story, or an overarching theme uh, to tie together um, what it is that you wish to achieve with a group of people. So it might be 
Uh, you might set out certain goals as a group of what you want to achieve, who you want to become, um, I don't know, challenges you might want to put in the way, and you might maybe structure a story around that. And my work, I suppose, in this area over the last number of years has, um, I suppose, led me to look at theming uh, in lots of different ways. So you can have kind of big themes and, and smaller themes. And I think in many cases, people are using what I would call theming on a, on a small level. In some cases, in their environments, they're doing it already. Um, and then I suppose you could go to the sort of bigger, grander sort of themes that um, we often maybe see at the in certain environments, like the Crusaders, for example, uh, how they use theming uh, in, in New Zealand. Um, so you can kind of, I, I think there's a, there's a variety of, I suppose, ways in which you could use themes, which I think is one of the areas of interest, which I suppose I have within them. How did you get into this sort of, this idea and this, this, this area of, of, of coaching momentum? Yeah, so it's a good question because I'll... It's a really good question because it's the question, it's, it's sort of around the question of, of, I suppose, what I ask coaches when they come to me or different people come to me about using a theme. They come to me about using a theme because of maybe some of the themes or some of the people or the groups that I work with, and they, they think it could be really engaging. But the question I always ask coaches is, um, like, what do you think theming is the answer to? What, what do you want to sort of, um, what is it you're trying to solve? So to take you, I suppose, how I got into this, I was trying to solve an issue and I think theming has filled that and I've continued to refine and develop my, my practice in that environment. So what was the question or the issue or the, the, the stuff I was dealing with? I was trying to find a way in which I could coach character. And that's a, that's a very, very broad concept, but effectively as a, as a, as a teacher, as a, you know, I, my, I, I am an English teacher uh, by trade and, having worked in, in, in pastoral roles within schools, um, I felt there was a real opportunity for sport and my sport specifically rugby to coach character, to influence individuals and to try and shape people. Now, we so often talk about picking on character or we tend to go, God, I learned so much from doing that. And, and I think that's obviously, a, that's a natural thing where we look back on what we did and we'll say, I showed a lot of determination or courage, or there was times I wanted to quit and I kept going, whatever it might be. And we sort of pat ourselves in the back and that's great. I was trying to look at this. Well, how do we plan for that or, or kind of put that together in advance, you know? So rather than just getting to the end of the season and go, Oh, here's all the things we learned and pat ourselves in the back. Can we look at the start and go, well, like what do we want to be or what do we want these people to be like or what, what challenges or um, what things do we want to expose them to that might bring those things out? So what kind of opportunities can we create uh, to coach character? So the season before I, I suppose I really got into theming, I started a project that looked at masculinity uh, and I wanted to sort of look at uh, kind of addressing that in the schoolboy rugby team that I was working in. So, I had looked at masculinity uh, through the lenses of um, mental health, emotional well-being, and gender dynamics in sport. So we wanted in the mainly it was it's all boys up until uh, sorry it was all boys up until sixth form, and then it it was a boys and and girls kind of uh, being taught side by side. But I, I felt that it was important for us to address that because as a teacher, I sat <laughs> I sat in enough. Uh, and, and honestly, I've given, you know, tokenistic uh, lessons that were meant to teach 
young men or, or young people about certain aspects in life. And we sort of ticked that box and we moved on and we said, God, isn't it terrible about X or, or we shouldn't do this. Why? Uh, you know, whatever it might be. And then we'd move on. I suppose character coaching and trying to look at, at the project, uh, as I call it, redefining masculinity, that was a way of me exploring, can we have these conversations more frequently in an environment? Maybe students aren't expecting it. So it's not a, hey, we got to go to the hall for this talk from such and such who's come in, who's going to talk to us about uh, mental health or uh, sexism or whatever it might be. It was actually a rugby coach who coached them how to how to pass and kick and run and tackle and lots of things and actually say, what do we know about mental health? Uh, what's the difference between mental health and mental illness? Um, you know, what would it look like? What would the process be if someone you knew was struggling with these kinds of things? Um, and also, again, the gender dynamics aspect was to try and give boys good female uh, role models, maybe within the game, just to begin to expose, expose them to that kind of conversation. So I got into theming because I was actually trying to solve that problem. So uh, that's where I kind of stumbled across it because I saw theming as a way to actually frame that that bit better. So the first year I did uh, the, the project looking at redefining masculinity. And then the second year I found a theme that would kind of work over that, that would tie all that together. So that's how I got into it in the first place. Oh, it's, um, it, it sounds you know, incredibly, incredibly fascinating. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's learning for us as coaches as well, especially when you're dealing with you know, younger, um, you know, younger group that we might, might be working with. So, you know, our perceptions of what life was like for them at 16, maybe even younger is, is a lot different to what they're, to what they're experiencing as well. So like, a big thing for us on the, on the podcast and speaking to lots of different coaches is understanding is understanding your who, who are the people that you, you are coaching or you're teaching. And I think you know, the examples that you've given there, um, you know, there's another good example of right, we're understanding our group of players to, to better inform our practice as well. Um, did you, did you experience any kind of not fight back um, any kind of resistance to, to, to something that's actually quite radical to, to maybe a group, uh, a young group of, a young group of boys playing rugby. So. I'd like to think I had a certain, I had a certain trust that I'd built up with them. So I knew them from the, the season before. And then the seasons in the school I was working uh, in then were you did a sort of season from uh, September through to December. So it was a short block, but, you know, I coached them, I taught them. Uh, some of them were, were at that boarding school. And I, um, I'd like to think that I, I suppose I knew what I was doing in terms of pitching it to them, um, which was quite daunting then when I came to other groups that, I didn't know as well. And I was maybe have like, I was reluctant or I was, I was wary of having those conversations because I didn't know them and they didn't know me. So it would have just been a bit strange for me to maybe to start those. But at first there was, <laughs> there was definitely a few strange looks. Um, there were, I think I, I tried, I tried in some cases to make it sort of very low stakes, simple uh, kind of stuff where I think the first one we did was we talked about how you got into rugby. Like why, why are you playing rugby? You're in a school that offers rowing and football and all these other things you could do. And you're, you're deciding to do rugby. Why? Like, just tell us a little bit about your kind of story. And I started that off by telling the story about, you know, being from Ireland, uh, from Mullingar in, in Westmead, the, you know, rugby was, was available. It wasn't very popular. Um, and so Gaelic football was the thing I played as a kid. Now, you know, anyone who's ever tried to see me kick a, a Gaelic football, uh, you know, w w will attest to, I was far more suited to rugby. Now, 
you couldn't tell that to an eight-year-old me who had no interest whatsoever in playing rugby. So my, my father gave me uh, a choice and he said, you know, do you want to play? You can either play rugby or you can go to Irish dancing. And I went to Irish dancing for about a month. Um, and I can tell you, I'm probably better at Gaelic football than Irish dancing. But <laughs> I, I went I went on to rugby and absolutely loved it. So I kind of told them the story about, about that, about that kind of choice. And then I suppose in a way to open up to those things, I explained a bit about how my own father then passed away when I was 12. So I, I suppose I was using rugby as a way to say that, you know, I'm here coaching you because my father forced me to play rugby in a way because he said, do you want to do Irish dancing or rugby? So it, in a way, I suppose I'm still connected to him through that, if that makes sense. So you're sort of, you're sort of, um, the way I describe it in teaching is that you drop the mask for, you know, for a moment, you show them a bit of yourself and, you know, in the right environment. And I'm not saying, you know, teachers or people in, in positions should always do that. And, and I think it's important. We have those masks from time to time and we walk that line, but every now and again, you kind of show them a little bit of yourself. And so that was how I initiated. Uh, that's how I started it. And then we kind of actually opened up into a environment where they spoke about in some cases, some lads were like, oh, I'm just doing this because I hate football. Uh, and other guys were, were maybe willing to go a bit deeper with that. But that was a simple way for us to start that. And then the other ways in which we did it was that we showed them clips about, um, we showed them clips again, either that one with Gareth, uh, Gareth Thomas on that um, on that uh, Irish Stout ad. Uh, I don't know, again, how you're how, how much you're sponsored by Irish Stout. But anyway, um, yeah, so... <laughs> On that ad, uh, he's talking about you know his own experiences of actually uh, what was happening to him mentally dealing with the uh, you know him coming to terms with his sexuality and actually how his teammates were there. So we framed it around the idea of you know how much of a difficult challenge that was for him. So we we explored sexuality and aspects around you know mental health in that. So that that was a simple way because it connected to rugby. Um, and then when we want to look at gender dynamics in sport, we might look at a clip of you know, Exeter Quinns from the weekend. And then after that, we would talk about tactically maybe something they were doing. And then very quickly, the next clip would be from the women's game. It would it was often, again, from women's sevens because uh, we were looking at aspects around Heather Fisher, again, what kind of her, her kind of um, challenges. And again, you know, uh, learning about more, more about her. And there was no kind of, they didn't really kind of go, oh, geez, why like, why are we watching women? That was never that. We analyzed it from a sort of tactical point of view. We asked questions that we asked of the men's game and, and the lads didn't really seem to bat an eyelid. And it, I, I think in some cases, you know, young people, uh, they can surprise you by actually, you're like, oh, they're not going to, you know, they're going to react a certain way. And they, they're like, why is this such a big deal? Like, of course there's like, sometimes actually it's less of an issue than we think. Uh, because there's that difference, I suppose, generationally uh, between us. Because you know, when I was back, I'd be like, well, well, "Like, what's the, what's going on here? Why aren't we doing whatever?" But it, I don't know if you if, if you open up and you kind of make it, I don't know, interesting for them. I think, I, as I said, I had that trust with them. I was able to maybe do that easier. I think that's quite important as well. When you were looking at that school environment, is this? We're there to develop not just the technical and tactical player, but also the psychosocial, behavioural and mental skills as well and how they work and develop and connect with other people. And, and I think that's a really powerful way that you could, could try and do that. But how do you make that connection with them, what you're doing out on the field? Uh, is there a connection or is it, was there purely a divide between how that theme transitioned between 
focusing on that <clears throat> um, masculinity element, or, or did it cross over? Or, or and if so, how? So you, you certainly can make a crossover. You can bring that stuff onto the pitch if you want. If there's a characteristic that you wanted to highlight or to show, you know, what did Gareth Thomas show when 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 he did this? Okay, what might resilience look like? You can bring those conversations, or you know, you could bring that into a scenario play, saying, "Cool, okay, so we want to show resilience, like we we were talking about earlier." You know, you're down by you're down by 14. Uh, you've got four minutes left. You've a line out in the corner. Show me, show me what resilience looks like in this. Like, there's different ways in which we can frame that. Um, and I suppose that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to front load or, or think about characteristics first, and then find stories or people that you would sort of populate or bring those to life that you could then reference on the pitch. Uh, I definitely know there was one. We looked at a clip of uh, Danielle Waterman uh, Noli, who who made this incredible tackle. Uh, it was for wasps, um, where she chased back and got like someone made a break. They're definitely through. And certainly, if I was in a rugby pitch, I would have gone, "Okay, well, I'm not going to catch that person." So off they go. But but she didn't. She she kind of she, she chased them down and uh, sorry, <laughs> chased her down and uh, and uh, made the tackle five yards out. So you know, our last last ditch tackle. That sort of it. You know, there's no hope, and it became like you know that was showing like. That was like, uh, you know, Noli. So that became like, oh, you, you did a Noli or you pulled it. Like, do you get me? There was different ways in which we could bring that to life. And all that stuff, I suppose, the year before I, I properly got into theming was that I suppose I was theming on a certain level. I was just finding stories that weren't so connected in terms of, you know, Daniel Waterman doesn't have anything to do with uh, with Gareth Thomas per se, apart from they're, they're both in rugby or, or some of the other people that we might have looked at in terms of, uh, mental health and and there were certain rugby players we, we could rely on to or sorry uh, resources we could rely on uh you know to look at those and explore those but teaming allowed me maybe to look at that in a broader sense to see if again if we could embed those then the year after so how would it work <clears throat> if you because i know you've done it with a, a local club as well as well as looking at sort of the school piece so how did you go about sort of approaching it with with sort of them because i imagine it was a little bit of a, a radical um, start them because did you was it the Apollo I think was the, the first one that you started at the club that right? so a- Apollo was the sorry Apollo was the one I did with the school uh, first oh, off so um, that was a, the, the story of Project Apollo was a way to look at the Apollo 11 mission and um, embed some of those key characteristics that we've been looking at the year before so again having conversation around you know, uh, emotional well-being, mental health, gender dynamics. You know, we were able to have that conversation because the story of Apollo is is so much broader than the, you know, three astronauts going up to the moon. Because actually, that story begins so much, uh, so much, um, so many years before that, uh, with JFK, I suppose, declaring, you know, they were going to go to the the moon when everyone in NASA is going, "Are we?" Uh, I don't think we are because the Russians are way ahead of us. But again, it was this this idea. You got to look at goal setting, for example, or setting targets that are kind of feel like they're beyond you, but actually sometimes you need someone to believe in you and just call it like going, now we're going to do this. Like this is going to happen. So there were lots of ways we could explore that and and the different people, um, you know, within NASA, the different, um, you know, uh, again, the roles of women, for example, in NASA and how particularly misogynistic aspects were in, um, you know, in that environment, uh, the issues around race, because again, uh, issues around uh, the civil rights movement again are happening at the time. So if you, for me, I think this is something certainly as an English teacher who also happens to be Irish. Um, like I like to look at stories in different ways. So even if they all knew, they could tell me who the first man on the moon is. They might be able to tell me who the second was. They couldn't have told me who the third man of Apollo uh, 11 was. 
they couldn't they couldn't have told me about Gene Kranz or um, Joanne Morgan or Catherine Johnson or all these other you know rich stories. They couldn't have told me about uh, the Apollo One fire. So for me, I just had this rich tapestry of stuff I could draw on to then go. Let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about gender dynamics. Let's talk about uh, mental um, sorry emotional well being through this story um, to sort of inspire them. And then we can attach things to it on the rugby pitch. So. I, as I said, I got like um, a lot of coaches come to me uh, as part of the work I do with my company, Team Architecture. Um, they come to me and they want to know stories because they want to win. They want to, you know, be successful. And I'm sort of going, you're looking at the thin ed- ed- end of the wedge here. Like, go back because you can you can create something that's really lasting, that really resonates, uh, that can make a big difference because. You know, there are lads who I coach in that group who will, when they hear about Apollo 11 or they hear about Michael Collins, the third man of Apollo 11, that will mean something very, very different to other people. And it's going to remind them, hopefully, of the experience they had. So following following uh, Project Apollo, which I'd, I'd written up uh, on my blog, I started, I was working with a men's rugby team at the time. Now, I was doing Apollo at the same time I was coaching these guys. And I never for a second thought, oh, I'm going to do a theme with these guys. It was just a, I was exploring that space. And then I couldn't have just walked into a, a dressing room and gone, hey, guys, we're talking about going to the moon. Uh, because I just didn't know how that was going to go down. I could do it because I knew the rugby team and the school and they knew me. Uh, and there's also, as I often say, you know, they were sort of obliged to because every time they had to call me sir, I was a member of staff. Like, you know, they couldn't. That was not the dynamic at the rugby club I was coaching at, you know? Uh, if they thought what I was doing was nonsense, they could walk and go, I'm not listening to this. That couldn't have happened unless I was doing a really bad job, I suppose, at the school. <laughs> that that was less likely to happen. So they were sort of captured, uh, a captured audience uh, at school. At the club, um, about halfway through the season, so I, I coached the, the the greatest rugby club in the world, as uh, they often like to tell me, the HAC. <laughs> and... Um, Halfway through our season, the season leading into COVID, so it would have been 2019, uh, we found ourselves in a difficult situation of being, you know, in the bottom two or three and looking like we were going to go down. So Reese Davies, who uh, works at London Irish and was at the RFU, he he was interested. He kind of uh, he listened to me talk an awful lot about rockets uh, and how that links to rugby with Project Apollo. And he'd come down and seen some of the presentations I'd give, and he'd read some of the stuff and. He said, listen, why don't we try a theme? Why don't we see if it works? Now, he knew the group better than I did. He'd been coaching there for the last number of years, and, and I was getting to know the group. Uh, and so we needed a story about, um, ultimately, the, the idea was survival. It was about, we got to try and survive this season. Um, and so I suggested to Reese in that December 2019, I said, you know, why don't we look at the story of Ernest Shackleton? Uh, and his uh, his uh, survival of uh, you know the, in the Antarctic, and so Reese and I then set out. We both read um, the book uh, Endurance by uh, Alfred Lansing, which kind of documents it. I looked at reading Shackleton's own account, but if you know anything about Shackleton, as great as he was, he was a serious salesman, and I wanted a different perspective. I wanted not his take on it. I, I will eventually, uh, and I did. Sorry, uh, certainly read sections of it, but I wanted an overall sort of detached, I suppose, perspective of it first. So Reese and I both looked at that and said, like, how would this work for this rugby team? The challenges they're facing, 
Um, and so we started to put that together and we launched that in January. Now, when I say we launched it, we did it completely, as I describe it, as a Trojan horse. Um, we just started talking a lot about Ernest Shackleton. <laughs> we didn't say, hey, guys, we're trying out this theming idea. What do you think? It was just, I still remember Reese. Reese sort of left it. To, I, I was like, listen, I'm the new guy in the club. Uh, and also I was the one who'd done this before. And I'm the one who, you know, he had read it a lot as well. And, and we were kind of coming up with ideas together. I was like, listen, if it gets shot down, let me get shot down with it. Like, because you've been here that bit longer. So we'll just, it's like, what is it in politics? The idea of fly, uh, like flying a kite. Do you get me? You're just, you're just putting it out there, see what happens. And then if it gets shot down, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Let's stop talking about that. And you, you, you're, you're reeling your kite. Um, so I remember in the change room going, our thing is a bit like Ernest Shackleton. And there was definitely a few lads going, right, okay, what's happening here? And then we kind of kept dropping in bits of it. Um, and then eventually there was a moment in February. So you're talking about five, six weeks in where we were. And again, I always say this to coaches, depending on what, like, you don't have to dial up the theme. It doesn't have to be full intense theming all the time. You can do it locate lower uh, stakes and still get the same effect. So come February, it would have been maybe the middle or end of February. Um, we had a game uh, that was on in a storm against a relegation rival and we won. Now, it was our vice captain, Larry. It was his birthday. And we said we would get him a bottle of Shackleton whiskey, which is, I can confirm, terrible, absolutely awful. Um, so we were like, cool, we're going to give this bottle uh, uh, to Larry. Now, Larry got man of the match and we won this game. It was a bonus point win. And it was like, lads are covered, like absolutely covered. And we actually got a nice picture. of The lads are all covered in mud. And there's a picture of... Uh, Shackleton and his crew on Elephant Island, I think before he set off for South Georgia, covered as well. And it was like this sort of cool parallel. But the other cool parallel was that we gave that bottle of whiskey to, to Larry on his birthday. And randomly, we figured out later, it was Ernest Shackleton's birthday as well. We were like, that's all a bit weird how that sort of fell into place. So when that happened, that's what I often call these lightning bolt moments. And I think you get those if you dig deep enough into a story or a theme and you know your group well enough and you read the emotional kind of pitch of the room. When those moments, sorry, when those moments happen, like it's, they'll do any, they'll believe like anything you're kind of saying about it or they're in, they're like, cool, this is it. Because as I often say to the lads, you know, um, and this happened more recently with the discovery of the endurance ship uh, last week. Like the amount of messages I have gotten from lads I coached, like we coached that year, who've either left the club or aren't playing rugby anymore, uh, who were just like, oh, like Shackleton isn't just the story of Ernest Shackleton. It's also the story of us. So the line I always use is find a story you belong to. Like if you can find that, that can create real resonance. That's so beyond winning. Uh, that's so beyond, you know, a match you, you, you won or didn't win or who scored. Like it's about the moment, the experiences I think that you have. So it was Apollo first with the school boys and it was Shackleton then with uh, HAC, the greatest rugby club in the world. Oh, it's, um, the, the coincidences there are, are, are astonishing. Um, it's with, almost like I planned it. I often <laughs> say, I'm like, oh, it's like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I hadn't planned that. I can tell you. I certainly didn't plan for the endurance to be found at the bottom of the Weddell Sea. So, 
Well, with, you know, yeah, what, what your powers can do, it's, it's, it's not for Chris and I to judge. Um, no, uh, but you, you're, you're right, there's, there's almost, it's almost gold dust when everything kind of aligns and, and it's buy-in that we're after as coaches. If they can buy-in, they understand and, and you know, and we're on almost a, a journey together, then it's, you know, those memories are, are going to last, are going to last forever. So with, so with the theming there, you talked a lot around kind of the character side. Have you used theming in terms of uh, technical, tactical elements as well to, um, to your game? Because I know there's, it can be used for both. And I've, you know, I've, I'm quite new to theming, but I've seen, we've used it a lot this, this year at the college in terms of applying it to, to tech and tech. Um, but have you, is that something you've worked with as well? Uh, yes. Yeah, so ultimately, it, it can depend entirely what it is you want to do. A lot of coaches who I initially spoke to, when I, I wrote up a framework after we had done the, the Shackleton theme that looked at, listen, if you think you're theming, uh, this is ba- basically that that post, that, that, that blog, that, um, that article that I wrote. That was basically what I wanted when I was setting out to do this. So having done two at that stage, I wrote this up and then coaches got in touch with me from all around the world. And um, they were, they kept saying stuff like, oh, you say this about language. So I have to change our line out calls because I just got them to learn our line out calls. I'm like, 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 don't leave your line out calls. It's fine. Like if you want it to be technical or tactical, let it do that. If you want to be psychological or social, uh, or if you want to be all of it, you can, it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, and so you definitely can bring it like onto the pitch. And I know, uh, I, I know actually probably most teams actually use themes for that. And it connects more so specifically to something we want to do. And if you think about it, like rugby is so rich in sort of um, like metaphors and kind of language that's kind of used anyway in a technical or in a tactical sense. So I always say like, uh, like people kind of say, like, oh, I've never heard of theming. I'm like, cool. Like, what, what's the, you know, people who know rugby, I'm like, do you know, what, what what do people call the South African bench? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's a bomb squad. I was like, well, isn't that theming? Like the Springboks have managed to make the bench really cool. Like they've given them a cool name. So much so that after the 29 World Team Cup, some of the, <laughs> some of the bomb squad got bomb squad tattooed on themselves. Like, like they've made it like whatever about finishers for the name of it, like bomb squad, sorry, like trumps everything, but like that's theming on a tactical kind of level as well. Uh, and creating a sort of group within a group. I think that's really, really effective. And having followed the, so the issue, I suppose with the Ernest Shackleton team was great in many cases, because it was for the, there, there, there are three uh, teams in our uh, senior teams in our club. And, um, and the twos and threes were not in a relegation fight or survival. So it was entirely geared towards them. So we then wanted something that would apply to the entire club. So what we've moved on to has been a, an Ayrton Senna theme. So a lot of our language then relates to, to Formula One. And actually, it is a playing style in many cases that can have elements of uh, psychological or social aspects to it, uh, but mainly tactical and technical. So that's language that we use, you know, every week in training on match days, ones, twos, and threes. We hope certainly are using that. And again, a, a project that's that ambitious across three, three teams, we need to be careful as to when we dial up and dial it down. But yes, you can definitely use kind of tactical stuff in that regard. We often talk about, you know, a big thing we'll say at the HAC is speed is king. That's a, that's a huge thing that we say. Now, <laughs> the fear with teams saying speed is king is that like if an F1 car tried to, if Ayrton Senna tried to drive around the track at like at breakneck speeds all the time and didn't break, 
then, you know, it would be an absolute disaster. So we don't talk, like speed is king, but controlling speed is king. So actually, when do we want to put the brakes on things? When do we need to accelerate things? When do we need to move through the gears? You can see already, again, there are lots of ways in which you could bring this in. Um, so yeah, you, you can you can 100% again, use things on those levels, whatever it is you want them to do. I suppose the, 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 the sort of the key thing is there is, is making it relevant to the group of people that you've got. How did you as a club come up with that idea of, of using an F1 as a, as a theme? Because surely the importance to get that buy-in is you've got to get that connection. And if you've got three teams, as you know, you've got a fair few amount of bodies there to, 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 to connect with that was mm. what way did you go by? Because I can imagine those from a coaching and we talked a lot about this on the masters is there's, there's very much this, this analogy of the cook and the chef of the, the chef will go out and create their own little things and work stuff mm. out when the, the, the cook will just hear this and probably just go and right. I've heard this about Ernest center and F1. I'm just going to go yeah. and copy it and they won't get any yeah. sick. They'll go, this is shit. I'll throw it in the toilet and we'll, <laughs> we'll be right later. But actually you, I've got, you have it to connect with you your players. Mm. So how did you go about ensuring that that theme was the right way to get that buy-in from your group? Yeah. So it's a re- again, it's a really, really good question because so many coaches got in touch with me going, I'm doing Apollo. I'm like, why? Like, what does Apollo have to do with your lads? Because I picked Apollo because I wanted to, I wanted to inspire a group of lads, you know, young schoolboys to push beyond themselves. Cause they were talking to me about like the, the best season for them was winning every single game. And I was like, what if everyone's crap? What if they're no use and you beat them? Is that, is that going to the moon? I don't think it is like, come on, let's think bigger. What can be a bigger sort of ambition? So it was framed around that. Now <laughs> the Ernest Shackleton team worked mid season because we were in a relegation fight. Could we have started the year with relegation? Like that would have been a long old season talking about lads trekking through the Antarctic, eating, you know, whatever seals they could find from time to time. Um, You know, that would have been a bit grim uh, to do. So it kind of fit at the time. So the line I always say is find a story you belong to. So if you're telling me you want to uh, Apollo, how do you and your team belong to that? So to turn your question around, how did Ayrton Senna fit with, with, um, with our club, well, we had to sort of suss that out. I had an idea that it could work. Um, I had a sense of it. Now, we also had the buy-in from the fact that we, we'd run the Shackleton theme before. Uh, and we had a bit of a sense of, okay, like, <laughs> this Irish lad's a bit different, uh, as we all tend to be. Uh, but yeah, just just go with it and we'll see, we'll see what happens and does it kind of click or whatever. Um, so one of the ways in which we did that was that you have to remember as well, obviously with COVID that season again finished. So going into the next season, when we were coming out of the, the first kind of lockdown, so summer of 2020, we went to our preseason and we had no season in the sense of there was, there were no games. There was some, uh, some of those kind of touch games. Jeez, I can't even remember what they were, all those different stages and stuff like that. Oh. Um, and long may they remain in history. Uh, in the past. <laughs> yes, where, they, where they belong. Where they belong. Very much so, very much so. But um, yeah, so as we were going through those, we had, we had two sessions uh, every week for a year. Now, we're a rugby club that runs a, a different model. I know lots of rugby clubs will run a, a Tuesday, Thursday model, and then we'll see on Saturday. Uh, for our guys, who a lot of them who work in the city of London, um, they can't commit to two nights a week. Uh, sometimes they can't commit to the Saturday. So it's a lot more relaxed in some cases. And um, 
because of that, we had two sessions actually every week. We would see guys who wanted to get out of the house, who wanted to have a bit of a run around, who wanted to meet up with mates and when you could have a few beers outside or outside of a pub eventually when we were allowed to do that. But what we did during those sessions is we started to ask questions about Formula One. So we started asking about Drive. Oh, has anyone seen Drive Survive? What are you watching on Netflix now? And oh, no, no, stop talking about Tiger King. Has anyone seen Drive Survive? And the lads who kind of perked up with, oh, it's really, really cool. We found out who the F1 fans were. So we sort of had a sense of, okay, how much this might be, you know, how much terminology do we need to teach people or, or bring them up to speed on it? Um, and then myself and Reese started researching a bit more about Ayrton Senna and, and kind of finding out more about, uh, about him beyond the, the, the movie by Asif Capita, which, which is amazing. But in that movie, for example, it portrays, it portrays a lot of the movie, apart from the end, portrays Alan Prost as the bad guy, the villain. And I think if you look at the Prost story in a different way and look at their rivalry, it's that Prost brought the best out of Senna. Um, and so by looking at his story, we were able to maybe begin to sketch out what that what this might look like. Now, there are certain, as I call them, landmarks in Senna's career and life that we would want to highlight. Um, and there's also moments in his career we want to highlight, but also go, this is where he got it wrong, or this is where, again, he pushed himself too hard, or he wasn't understanding. So go back to the characteristics or the values that you want people to teach. So are there enough of those in there that you want to... Um, you want to kind of promote um so by having those conversations more frequently with the lads you know twice a week and then being to sketch out what uh, i suppose a tactical framework might look like we were able to embed that language in a season which there were no games so we had a whole run of us dropping in certain things uh that linked to it and another way we got kind of buy-in was that when everyone was at home and you couldn't meet up or you weren't able to train and you know we went into more severe lockdowns uh, we used to, uh, each week we would set a running challenge and the running challenge was a certain track that Senna had raced at. So you might do Hockenheim or you might do Imola or you might do Silverstone and you would have to run the distance of that track. Now we did it where it was like, everyone's got to get their times in. Then we did backs v forwards. Then we did, it was horrible. We did a sprint race where basically you had to run it was 3.5 K as quickly as you could. And it was in groups. So you were like put in, you know, front row, back row, uh, second, like this kind of stuff. Now, um, it went, when I did play rugby, I played center. Uh, I played center like a second row. And regularly now the lads, when we're really stuck for numbers in the threes, they'll say, uh, Sharky, can you play front row? And having never played front row, that gives you a sense of, I am not uh, built for, uh, for, for doing 3.5 K sprints, but I was delighted that I nearly beat our, uh, our open side flanker in it. So, uh, those kinds of challenges, again, linked it to the theme and linked it to, you know, getting out and exercise. So we, we tailored it to what we needed at the time. Um, you know, we had different podiums in the sense of who's won, who's come second, stuff like that. And then that fed into then this season, which has been all about tactically what we're trying to do, play at speed, uh, and then embedding some other kind of uh, key aspects to it. Uh, one of which is our, we present in our home game. So the HAC is the Honourable Artillery Company, which is the only rugby club in the city of London. So in the square mile. And it is surrounded entirely by um, skyscrapers. So if you walk between Old Street and Moorgate, on the right-hand side, you see a small gate. That's a, like an army uh, barracks in there. And there's like a parade square, basically a, a parade kind of marching ground in there that they use. Um, so when we play at Armory House, when we play at home, we present a Senna, uh, an Ayrton Senna mug to the man of the match. All right. 
And we've also done on a few occasions that we also present an, an Alain Prost mug to the opposition. So in that, in that way, we're, we're, I suppose we're addressing the rivalry that actually brought the best out of Senna. So there's a, there's a guy, he played for Roslyn Park earlier in the season, and I presented him with an Alain Prost mug. And then later this season, we played them again at their place. And I saw him and I said, how's the, how's the mug going? He's like, oh, it's amazing. It's great. Like he, he sort of left, he left being given a gift. And um, he's so in a weird way, he's part of our team. Um, and, and I suppose that it's a way to acknowledge that. Like we have a picture of, you know, uh, one of our boys in our second team, who's he's there with his Senna mug and, and the, with the London Welsh guy, he's there, the number eight, he's there with his Alan Prost mug. And it was a way to think about the rivalry a different way, but also to acknowledge our opposition and say like, actually, you know, without them, we wouldn't be playing. And actually, you know, as much as we, we hate them and, you know, we can't stand them and they're horrible, whatever, they bring out the best in us, you know, or, or there's the opportunity to do so. So we, yeah, we had a, a nice run in to uh, last year's season, which again, again, there were no games and we were able then to, um, we were able then to maybe, uh, really kind of kick things on this year. I guess the, uh, the kind of important thing around theming and, and, and you know, having these good ideas is, is making sure it, they stay interested and you keep it fresh. How have, um, how have you kind of managed that within, within your group? Is there, is there, has there ever been a time in which you've gone, we've, well, we've stretched this theme a little bit, a little bit too far. Um, or does it just kind of like fizzle out or do you kind of like really kind of stick to your guns and, uh, and, and go with it? it? It's definitely something I'm really, really conscious of this now that I, I work with, um, I work with professional teams, um, you know, across Europe, I've worked with grand, um, sorry, the, the grassroots of the game uh, in different sports. And that's my biggest fear for them is that they won't read that right. I think I've been lucky in the sense that I've had a sense of what will work and what won't. So that dial is important. How much of this do we, like how intense do we want to go on the theme uh, or not? Uh, and people get very excited very, very quickly. They're like, oh, we can do this, 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 this. But like we know again, and, and coaches who listen to this will know that, you know, learning takes a long time, you know, uh, this stuff can really take a while to embed like different language, routines, traditions, like the old case of we just worked on this this week. Well, if you just worked on it this week, you may as well keep doing that for a long, long time because it's not really going to resonate for a while. So I think you need to stick with it in some cases, but also read again, how much like, are they not getting it? Cause it's too much. Like, is this useful? And I always say, listen, if you're doing a theme and it distracts you from what you're trying to achieve, stop, like just, like there's no point continuing or to continue going forward. So some of them, like I, I do, um, I do some consultancy work with Ron Agar in the top 14. So he coaches La Rochelle or as I regularly call them now, cause I'm trying to learn French Stade Rochelet. People go, oh, I thought you worked for La Rochelle. I'm like, that is La Rochelle. That's just how they said French. But anyway, um, so one of the things I've definitely like, so I'm trying to pitch a theme to a group I don't know as well in a language I don't speak. And so that's a huge part of like, he's definitely come back to me and going like, no, this will not work. Cause he's the one who has to deliver it. He's the one who's standing there uh, sort of pitching it. So that, that, that's really, really important is to kind of have, have your finger on the pulse of that. And when, when I'm advising people or I do workshops with coaches on it, it that, that's a huge thing that I'm kind of saying, like, listen, just like, it's not going to work straight away. You won't get those lightning bolt moments straight away. We didn't with Shackleton. It took a while. All right for that to happen. But when it did happen, and again, like 
it's a weird lightning bolt moment as well. We're presenting a bottle of whiskey to a guy the same birthdays. Like that's all very weird. But even okay, forget forget the whiskey and forget the uh, forget Larry and Shackleton's birthday. The fact we won a rugby match in a storm, you can connect that. Like you can find ways to bring that in, like overcoming adversity and, you know, what happened. And, you know, there were were lots of ways to do it. So I think if you know your story well enough, you can find moments that this is like us then. Um, And the other thing I often say with, with stories and finding, hang on, what's the right pitch? Do I dial it up or dial it down? Or which bit of the story do I say is that you don't have to tell it chronologically. Like, I mean, the the tragedy of Ayrton Senna is that, we know how that, we know again, how it ends for Senna. So all the lads know that. So I've got to try and find ways to tell his story in a way that they don't know. Now, we need to deal with that. That, that. That's part of the story. That's the tragedy of it all. But, you know, I want to tell them about the incident with Eric Comas where Senna saved his life. And, um, you know, you want to talk about, you know, Prost carrying, um, carrying Prost, sorry, Cross carrying uh, Senna's funeral, sorry, coffin at his funeral, excuse me. So talking about those rivalries and things like that, like I need to find ways to tell this story in a unique way that means something to us. Like there's no point just going like, I'll go watch the documentary, you got it, cool, here's your mug. Like it's just a hollowness, a hollowness to that. So I think it's important to try and, you know, read, read the room, read the pitch. But also like I've definitely had it where I had, I had maybe suggested something to uh, you know, to to Raj about like what they were doing, but I didn't realize that they would lose three games on the bounce. So then we've got to change tact as to maybe the bit of the story we wanted to say this week isn't going to, you know, maybe we need to change up what, what happened. So I think you have to read that and adapt uh, as best you can. I think it, it goes back, we are at the start of this uh, this season of the podcast, we spoke to um, uh, Tony Phil, the general manager down at the Hurricanes. And he, he came on and talked about planning and, and, and periodization. I think this almost kind of integrates it. So you need to, first of all, like you say, you need to, well, from my understanding so far, so you need to you, know, you need to understand the story, you know, the ins and outs of it before you even begin to begin to pitch it to a fellow coaches. Mm. But then um, then you need to kind of integrate it within, within the plan, but there's got to be flexibilities within the plan. So like, like you said there, we've gone three games on a bounce and you know that later on you plan for, Oh, we'll get to the resilience piece of Everton Centre and his rivalry with, right? Can we bring that forward a little bit? So, am I kind of we kind of is that kind of the right kind of lines in terms of kind of how I'm trying to work it out in my head there? Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, uh, to give you an example, uh, Project Apollo, the first team that I did, uh, part of the one of the landmarks in that story is the Apollo One fire. So, <clears throat> basically, the Apollo One fire was what was called a plugs out test. So. They're basically on the launch pad. There's no fuel, um, basically. So they're just getting ready. Like, what would the communications be? So the astronauts are all strapped in. Um, and there was an electrical fire in the, in the basically command module. And that command module was entirely filled with oxygen. So it went up straight away. And all three, all three of those died. Now, if I, if I told you that in 19... Sorry, that was 1967. In 1967... On that um, on that launch pad, there wasn't a single fire extinguisher in NASA. This is an organization that's spending like twenty percent of America's GDP during the height of the Cold War, and they don't have a they don't have a fire plan. They don't have a fire extinguishers. They hadn't thought that through. They thought of almost everything else, but they hadn't thought of like what if there's a fire and we need to. So that failure is like catastrophic. So 
that was our sort of, and how they responded to that and owned that and then said, right, this is not happening again. We need to make sure we do X, Y, and Z and, and cover that off. That was a huge part of why Armstrong is able to set foot in the moon two years later. So that was our, that was my story on failure. Now, they didn't fail. The group, they didn't fail in the sense of losing matches. I was waiting for them to fail. And then I was like, here and here are the Apollo one. I was like, geez, they're not like they're not failing in the way they think or I think. So what do you do? Well, you design a session, a training session that's going to make them fail. Like, like we should anyway, maybe it was, a, it was a reminder to me about my sessions that geez, maybe, maybe it is far too easy. So you, you, you ramp up the intensity, you ramp up the challenge, you kind of give them that sense of, geez, we're not good enough. And then you go, okay, here's the story of Apollo. Like you find ways to do it, I suppose. Uh, or you wait, you really wait in, until you really, really need it. And, I know from, as I said, designing and 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 helping coaches design teams. Um, there are stories I, I keep in it. I keep kind of in the back pocket to go. No, no, don't go to that yet. Trust me. Just keep that, keep that, and like when 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 it's needed, that'll be it'll be way better. If you you rush it now, don't. So just hold on to it. So you have to have that flexibility. I think as best you can. So. <clears throat> Say a coach has sort of listened to this now and gone, right, this is, I want to try and go down this route. I want to look at this sort of element. What would you would advise the, the starting point would be around identifying that theme? Because obviously you're saying what works for them and the group that they're with, but there must be a process of planning that they could try and identify with or connect with or do they get something that interests them as a, as a starting point to get that buy-in for themselves mm-hmm. What what would be the what would be my first point of right? I need to do this first before I do anything else. It sounds it sounds really really grandiose, but the first one I always say is find that story you belong to. Now that's a that's a what the hell does that mean? That's a fair question to level at me. Uh, so find something that really ignites something in you because you're the one who's going to be thinking about this. You're the one who's going to be driving this and trying to frame a sports environment or a business environment, as I found myself doing uh, of late, you know, you know, of which I have limited uh, understanding of exposure to, but like what's going to work for this group? Like what's going to really, you know, help with them. So you start with that and you start to think of actually we could do it. Like this could be a cool story. That's a cool story. Then for me, find out more about that story. Find out who the, the key characters are, the landmarks, the values within it, because, um, there are certain there are certain traits or characters or stories that we get presented, but when you dig down into it, you're like, oh, I got the Hollywood version. Do you know what I mean? Like the Hollywood version is great, but actually, once everyone scratches the surface, they'll realize this person, that person, they're not they're not people we want to reflect. Or the Hollywood version is great, but actually, did you know they're actually like this? So as much as we 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 want the Hollywood version rather than the other one, like which bit do you want to highlight or, or kind of? Show them the flaws in people, uh, but you know, explain that's not who we want to be. Um, so find the story again that's going to ignite something in you and, and and how you think you're going to sell that. Find out about the values, the characters, and what I call the landmarks in the, that story. What are the key moments of challenge? Um, so to flip it in a different way, don't look for the story. Think of what it is what it is you want, like, what do you want to achieve by bringing a theme in? So that would be the first question I, I, I always ask co- coaches is that like, what does the theme help you do? Do you want to bring your group together? Do you want to bring them closer? Cause you can, do you want to try and win a championship? You could, that might happen. And um, do you want to be different from your rivals? Like what, like it can be all of those things or, or, or one of those things if you want them to be. So find out what it is you want, find a story then, 
or a range of stories, you could work with it. Like I'm saying, I've certainly in my environments, it's been a kind of top down approach. My ambition eventually is that you know, the HAC by the end of this year will have endured three years of theming from me. I think next season, whether we decide to stick with Senna or move on to something else, um, I'd like to think that there's enough people who've experience of it to kind of go, well, what do you think? Like, what if we gave you this part of it? What would you do with it? What would be our, our totems, physical reminders of the theme? So the mug, for example, the Senna mug is a totem. Um, could we change some of our, our tactical calls or, or, or lo and behold, our line-out calls, all 74 of them, um, different NASA uh, speak if we're doing Project Apollo. Like, you can, you can do a lot with it, but um, I'd reach out to people um, a lot of coaches who I've spoken to are sort of, they feel like the crazy guy in the room. And, and, and I'm, I can guarantee I've definitely been the crazy guy in the room where people are going, what's he, what's he talking about? What's going on? We're talking about some sort of engine aspects. Like I, I posted, a, I posted a, an article uh, this week uh, on F1 pit boards, as you do. Uh, and as I said, I retweeted it from my uh, my team architecture account. I said, if there's only one uh, pit, F1 pit boards article you read today, make sure it's this. Because again, when you find a story that you know interests you, you start to see those things. Those things start to emerge. Um, I think for you, uh, but rely like connect to other people, talk to other coaches who are doing it. You know, suss it out. It's not going to be smooth, um, and certainly from some of the work I've done with, uh, with other groups and some of the work I've done, it sounds like, I, like I really, like there's people who are going to be listening to this going like, yeah, it sounds easy. It's not like, I really, I, I don't want to make it sound like it is cause it's not. And there are ups and downs and you don't always get the lightning bolt moments straight away. Uh, sometimes you may be doing it wrong and you're not going to get them. Um, and if it doesn't work, just just stop and go back to playing, like go back to just, not just playing rugby, but, you know, go back to what you do. Uh, and you shouldn't move too far from that anyway, I'd argue. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. And we've, we've, we've tried it at the college that I work at um, now. So it's the first year I've kind of played around with uh, theme and with my other, with my other two co-coaches. And we were, we did it around the military. Um, so we had, you know, um, uh, you know, we had SAS who dares wins to be our attack, um, the paras for the transition, and the, for our, our lightning moment wasn't until we got to the final and we got um, we got a load of clips from their parents and it ended with um, uh, ended with someone from the program SAS who dares wins, and all of a sudden that was when it kind of synced to the players and they remember them I mean, they they spoke about it. we didn't quite win the final um, lost out to lost out but. Yeah, for them that was what kind of got them through that that hard time. So like, we were down at half time, but we came back and won the second half because of because of those light bulb moments. And they can, and it's <laughs> you want to, you want to plan it whenever you're thinking about these things when those when those kind of the key up moments are. But you, you can't really, and you just got to really kind of trust that what you these crazy ideas that you've got in your mind do kind of sink in, sink sink in and resonate. So. Um, it is. It can be a little bit, a bit scary for coaches trying for the first time, um, but no, it's it, it's something that I think we can all explore a little bit more. You've. Uh, it, it was a question I was going to ask you guys about your own experiences in theming or, or, or other groups that you know uh, who've done it. But your point, Harrison, about like um, 
they lost that. They lost. They may have lost that game, but you like to think that when they watch SAS, who there's wins, or you know, um, you know, some of the guys who are on that, when they see that, they rem- they remember the, the the group, the experience you have, and I think that's that's really, really powerful. <laughs> One of the lads in the club uh, likes to mock that. So the season we did Shackleton and the season I wrote up, um, that season got curtailed uh, by the RFU. And because we were in the bottom three, we went down, we got relegated. Now we were on a position where actually we were beginning to win matches and w- we had ambitions that we thought we would scrape through, uh, but we didn't. So we went down. So, so someone always says, they're like, geez, he did all right for, you know, a guy who, you know, wrote up a story about a, you know, a disaster of an expedition. The team you used it with got relegated. And now you're consulting for a team who are in the top top 14 final and Champions Cup final last year. I was like, yeah, it did work. It worked out okay. Like, it's weird how life does these things. But, um, that's, but I think it's the unplanned nature of the themes, though, because, you know, we're, for, for some of these players who thought it was absolutely just bonkers that we were coming up with these SAS themes. Yeah. Now they, they laugh at it now because it's, we're, we're the crazy coaches introducing to something weird and wacky and that's, that's the memories that they have, but they're positive memories. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we lost the final, like, like you said, you know, they they watch, they flick on the television, SAS, who does wins. That's they think of their positive memories of us at the club. So. That's, that's you, you're, you're chasing, you're chasing those moments. I think that's the cool thing about it is that, yeah, it's great. Like, don't be wrong. We're all competitive. We we like to help it. To bring, like, I think it helps you bring you together. I think that's a real, real important thing of it. And then, as a result of that, you can be in a position to win. I, I wouldn't put the winning aspect first. It, it can do. It can do lots of things. But you're trying to bring those together so you have those memories. And as I said, the messages that were coming in last week because of uh, the endurance being discovered was kind of incredible. And it, it's it's kind of. The same thing happens with Michael Collins in, in, in Apollo 11. I, I get lots, of, like when he died last year, like I was really cut up. I was really, really emotional. Um, he's a, nearly at me even now kind of thinking about it. But, you know, his story became my story, became our story. That's, that, I don't know, that's really, really cool. I suppose it gives you a bit of that cultural identity to connect with the, the everyone that's around you. It keeps people interested for the, the duration. And, and like you say, it's the... It's the memories that they'll take away and remember after the rugby, and, and that's when we we spoke to 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 Phil Davies in season two around coaching philosophy, and one of the things we touched on was around how yeah, it's important that people do play rugby to win. I've not met anyone that's crossed that white line, yeah. not gone out to actually win a game of rugby. No one deliberately goes out to lose a rugby game. Yeah. But actually, if you've created an environment where um, that player will come and speak to you afterwards on a, on a, when they've left the club and you've influenced and had a mark on their life in a positive way, then that's something that you as a coach can be very proud of, especially if you've worked within an education sector, well, any sector really, that, that you can, they look back on that with happy memories and it, it keeps it fresh. It keeps it interesting. And it gives them something to think about other than the rugby. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've wanted to look at this as, a, as an idea and how I can probably bring it into my own coaching is to, we focus on rugby all the time. That's my job. We've, but how do you keep it different to distract you away from the tech and tech? How can you try yeah. and connect to that to keep it interesting and fresh for you as well? Because mm. um, I think that's important because we, we talk about coach burnout and coach stress. Well, actually, how can we do something different to keep it fresh for us as well? It, it, it's a, it, it, that idea of keeping it fresh and keeping it new, you get, as I said, like... Uh, you know, I didn't spend too much time thinking about F1 pit boards until I started doing a theme on Aaron Senna and started looking like, hang on a second, in a sport that has 
like a steering wheel costs up to about a quarter of a million, right? It has all the information you could you, you could want displayed through it. They have a radio in which they never stop talking to them about them. Why the hell do you have pit bulls? And that made me, that led me down a certain path of, you know, a lad hanging out the thing every every lap, telling them what lap time is. Sure, he knows what lap time it is. They can tell him. So why is it there? And you know, that that's made me reflect on my own my own practice or how, how we how we share information, you know, with players. Uh, is it on our terms, their terms? So that's that's allowed me to do that because I'm exploring this team. And, you know, that freshness for coaches, that, that, I, I find that really, really exciting. Um, and I know other coaches I've spoken to, even with teams that are like, oh, it didn't really kind of click, but they enjoyed even just exploring it or trying something different. I'll bet you anything, if we decided, three of us, to go to pick any rugby club, uh, you know, in the country, and let's write down five things we think we will see or we will hear. All right. I reckon we could do bingo fairly easily. I reckon, again, even the calls they're kind of doing, the the rituals, all that stuff is 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 fairly close. And that that's fine. There, there's not a there's not a problem with that. It's just if that's their experience all the time, or that's the coach's experience of it all the time, let's freshen it up. Let's do something different. I think a theme can let and can allow you to do that. Yeah, because you just end up going <clears throat> from one environment to the other, just doing the same shit. You just regurgitate it differently. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean a lot of stuff's the same now as well. I mean, I always say to the lads, I'm like, uh, you know, you've like we, you know, in, in a season which we're, uh, you know, a lot of players have walked away from the game after the pandemic and the RFU is struggling uh, kind of for numbers. Our, our club grew. Now, our club grew because we're a flexible model. Um, you know, players can can, can 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 train when they can. They can play when they can. You know, we don't have those huge demands. Now, that, that'll that'll get to a certain point by which we, we won't be able to move up as much as we want, but that's fine. That's the club we are. But we've kind of grown who we are. Uh, and the guys who come in, I've said, any, you ever had an Irish guy or any coach talk to you about Ayrton Senna all the time? You know, <laughs> like it's new, it's different. Now, don't get me wrong. Like we're laying it over stuff that is the same, but we're calling it something different. And, you know, we all have man of the match and, you know, whatever. And, you know, we'll pick your man of the match. But, you know, how many people are giving them an, an Alan Prosmog? If there is, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you. Um, it would be it would be cool, but yeah, you're creating something new and different and unique and exciting for you for them. And that point about burnout, I've never really I've never actually really considered it from that point of view. I'm always thinking it from the like I find it stimulating to think about coaching in this sort of way. How is how is this like that? Now, as an English teacher, I have that benefit of spending you know every day you know uh, sorry all day every day looking at stories and and language and these kinds of things like. It, it, it's a it, for me. I find it exciting, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think the players I've I've I've, I've coached or coaches I've worked with uh, have said the same. Dave, it's been it's been absolute brilliant talking to you and sort of going into your experiences of this. And I think there'll be a, a lot of elements of um, this conversation that I think coaches will learn from and take away, and, and hopefully. Even if they just try it, I think that that's that's the key thing that we want to try and get out of it. If you try it, you've got nothing to lose by by trying something once and seeing if it works. And if it doesn't, then at least you can say you've, you've given it a go. And I think this is a really good way to freshen up a coaching environment, but also how you plan, prepare alongside that rugby. And I, and I think it's 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 definitely something that I want to sort of take on board into my own environment. So thanks for giving up time and, and coming on to to chat about it. Would you um, think? The thing I often say to coaches is that like 
people hear me talk about it and it's the grant like I mean the concept of character coaching I appreciate there's going to be some of your listeners who know what on earth is like what why I'm just trying to get them to pass the ball you know this way or tackle or do whatever and you're talking about like I appreciate that might sound grandiose or whatever or or highfalutin fair enough um why not team your warm-up you know why not team your defense, we team our defenses anyway. Like there's probably coaches going like, oh, I have no idea what teaming is, but yet we call our defense something or we call, we have a certain phrase for this or whatever that we use. Um, so like, I think you can, you can do it on that kind of level to try it out and see how it goes. Um, yeah. Um, Harrison, sorry, just, just before, sorry, you boys finish up or whatever. I'm interested, obviously, Harrison, you've explored aspects of uh, teams yourself. Like what, what kind of, I don't know, what kind of challenges have you found with it? Or uh, you, you mentioned there it kind of took a while maybe for it to sink in. And, you know, how, how have you found exploring that? Because obviously you're somebody who's, who's kind of given it a go. Uh, what, what's it been like for you? Um, uh, I think I, I think originally, we, reflecting back on it, I think we fell into the trap that we had, um, we came up with this idea that we had this theme and we were just, we got really excited with it and we kind of almost overloaded at the start. Um, and then, you know, I think the players kind of got, they just got bombarded with these, these, these ideas. And I think the reason why it took a little bit longer was because we then kind of calmed down as coaches, you know, we, we still, we kept going along, but you know, the fo- we focused, the focus kind of shifted, but we still related it back to kind of these key messages and we, and we drip feeded it in. I think we kind of learned our lesson. Um, I think that's that's the danger. That's, that's the trap that I, you know, that I believe that we fell into. Um, but and then I think we, like I said, we, we finally got there. And when it came to the when it came to the final week and we got to the final, I think that's where it was because we we slowed it down. They, they kind of it it, it 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 elongated it, and the players kind of really bought into it for for when they for when they needed to. Um, I think that's probably my advice. Listening to listen to listen to what um, what you said as well in this last you know in, in this last block here is yeah. All by all means, let's get excited by some of the crazy ideas and the fun ideas that we've got in our head. But we that doesn't mean and it goes back to like how we're going to link it with our planning. We don't have to drop all of them at once because that's when they the players go bloody hell. Um, this is a little bit a little bit too much for me. And I think that's where I kind of. And that's why I'm looking forward into. Ne- that's why I'm really looking forward to next season, because I think in hindsight, I, we kind of I, we want to revisit theming again. And strangely enough, we're actually um, we were thinking Formula One um, before before I started kind of um, researching yourself. And, and you know, I think how we're going to try and approach that is going to be a, it's going to be a lot a lot different to what we did this this last year. Well, there's there's some good stuff out there on pit boards, I know. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can find out about. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's re- that's a really really exciting kind of way to, I suppose, to look at it and to kind of consider, yeah, something kind of new and fresh. But I think you, you're right. You find the dial. You find the, the thing for it. Like, think of any other aspect of your planning. Like, imagine trying to dump everything you knew about defense in them in a two week window, like everything, <laughs> like the whole block of it, like all your, like everything just condensed into, that's we're going to nail this. Like, of course, like you wouldn't do the same with theming. So spread it out, pin it out, find when that the moments um, you kind of want to ramp it up or also, and there's definitely been times where I haven't mentioned it so much, uh, or, you know, I, I've said nothing about it and then they, they take it over. They do bits. But so you find that pitch, I think of uh, when you want to, when you want to ramp it up. 
Yeah, but it's also, I think it's important to like add that to your reflection piece at the end of the season and throughout the season. So I think when we when we sit down at the end of the year or we sit down throughout the year and we, we reflect back and we are looking at theme and I don't think, I think we sometimes fall into the trap of not considering the theme that we're, we're reflecting on as well. And it, I think it wasn't until we kind of sat down together you know, I think it was post-Christmas after the our eighth league had finished, we then actually kind of had that light bulb moment of, oh, maybe we we did dump a little bit too much on them. Um, but I think it's like, if you can integrate it through all of your planning, reflection and and reviewing, then that's how it kind of comes in more seamlessly and effortless, uh, effortless more less effortless. It's, it's interesting there, like, you know, for the last two years, I've been talking about Nerd and Santa theme. I know other people who've done F1 themes. Um, and the cool thing is, is that you'll do an F1 theme in your own way that's unique to your environment. That you, to get me, like that, that gives you that kind of license to do that. Now, there might be there might be crossovers with stuff I've done or other people have done, and and that's fine, but you make it relevant to your environment. It's not the it's not those, it's not our kind of rugby bingo that we could play anywhere up and down the country. Like if we manage to align those, Jesus, that's a weird coincidence. But like, yeah, I, I just think again, it gives us that um, I don't know, makes makes like a, a team is a team because of the things we do, but also the things that other people aren't doing. We're unique because we do this, we talk like this, we say this, you know, this means something else. Um, Shackleton means something to us. Senna, Michael Collins, these things mean something to us. That they, they become, I don't know, uh, symbols of resonance. I think for for the group. Yeah, I think like we we touched on it in season one around um, mental models, how we see the game being played, and actually it's uh, the way I see theming. It's a way of creating that that shared that shared mental model, so we're all on the, on the same page. And it's actually, you know, a lot. It's a very explorative way of uh, of doing it, which is which is quite innovative and, and, and exciting. Yeah, no, it's uh, well. That's going back on the F one thing. Is that there is there's loads of different mini stories that you can pick within that that whole yeah. thing. Is it's not as if that Senna is just one example. You can go yeah. on any other rivalry within the F one. It's got a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like there's, there's 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 so many things you can kind of. You've got a story there that's quite rich, and you look at it first, going cool. We're going to bait now. You could just do a very surface level F one. Couple of things you want to talk about. Your like, let's talk. Let's go back to that coach who's nervous about theming. You want to use F one as a theme. Well, you know what do you want to say about speed? Do you want to maybe just do it on your defense? Uh, is it going to be maybe just counter attack? Maybe counter attack is when we talk about F one stuff. Do you get me? Um, whatever it might be. And you just find two or three things, phrases, concepts that you embed into your thing. That's theming. Like I do see that as theming. It doesn't have to be the, the grand all singing, all dancing, um, you know, stuff that maybe people feel uh, is, you know, only the, the, the kind of top teams are doing. People are theming on small levels all the time. So why can't we find a story that clicks with us or uh, something that we need to work on? To keep it comfortable for what's going to bring the best out of you. Too right. No, Dave, thanks. Thank you for this. It's been fascinating uh, listening to your examples and and sort of what you've learned and what you've we've done through it. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for for coming on and giving up your time. Perfect. No, thanks a million, lads. Really, really uh, appreciate it. I've um, I've listened back through a couple of the pods. I enjoyed the the recent one um, with Mark Bennett. Was that it? Oh yeah, they went out yesterday. Yeah, went to, yeah, the one that just went out yesterday. Really, really enjoyed that, and I got got through Dan uh, Cottrell's and. Uh, 
yeah, a few other bits and pieces, but you've given me some good ones there I need to go back and listen to. So I've enjoyed certainly what you guys are doing and it's a real, real honor for you to guys have me on. So thank you very, very much. So Harrison, uh, episode six, and it's, it's another one where I've left a conversation with a headache because it's another, another guest who's just completely um, given a lot of things for us to take away and think about what we could put into our own practice. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, I think we've got to start looking after ourselves because that's, that's, I think that's headaches we're getting after every episode so far, Chris. Um, but no, it's, um, it doesn't take a lot really to, 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 to do that. I've, I've, uh, especially at the moment, you just went, that seemed to be very much the, uh, the magpie. Oh, that's nice and shiny. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But oh, it's, um, it once again, it's a, it was a cracking episode with, with, you know, with once, lots of little golden nuggets. I know we use that phrase a lot, but it's, there's bits in there that, you know, I, that, I'll, that I'll certainly take away, you know, and I've explored things a little bit, but, you know, to speak to the man who's, you know, who lives, breathes and eats things and really wants to share that message. And he, and he did a cracking job at it. Um, and I think you know, it's, 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 there's something in there that's useful for, once again, all all coaches at all levels, especially at the grassroots. Um, but the one that kind of jumped out to me at the beginning was, you know, what is theming the answer to? So if we're going to introduce a theme at any level, whether it's grassroots or, or elite, what what is theming the answer to? Is it a solution? Is it to get a message across? I think that was that that was quite poignant. Uh, yeah, I agree, and it was also the connection that it brought to to your players. So you know, even the example he give around the current one that, that he's using around the F one that during the the not downtime, but the, the stuff that they could do during COVID, they started to get an idea of what they could potentially use as a theme and realised that a lot of people connected to the idea of the F, of F1. There was a lot of people that watched it, a lot of people spectators. Therefore, you've got that sort of buy-in. I think for start, especially if you're now, if you've, if you've listened to that and said, right, that's really good. I might want to take something away from that. Then actually for your players, it's probably going to be a complete shift, complete new mindset. And it's probably difficult for them to understand why or what purpose you're doing it for. So making it quite small and then something that they relate to is going to be an important factor if it's going to work. Otherwise, you'll just end up dropping it before you've even got it started. Yeah. And I think it's also important to remember it's... And he, and he, and he spoke about it in terms of we, we trip, if you want to trip feed in, it's got to be trip feeding like, like a curriculum that you're planning and you, know, you wouldn't just drop a whole defensive system in there. And actually, it takes time for those real light bulb moments to happen. You know, he spoke around that, that, that Shackleton experience he had. It wasn't until that game in which it was raining sideways, there were thunderstorms. And it turns out that was, that was the day of Shackleton's birthday. You know, and, that, and that's when the stars aligned for them. And, they, and that's when the players kind of really resonated with that story. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen for everyone, but like, you know, just being persistent, just being persistent with it and, and sticking to that. That's how you create those memories. And you know, what, was, what was really kind of, Amazing to hear is that you know even though that story happened, I think it was two two three seasons ago before before the lockdowns. You know when they found the when they found the ship about a month ago, the players the first thing they did was all message each other, all message all message Sharky as his coach, and then said, "Oh, you remember this? You remember that?" And that's that he created memories through using that thing. Yeah, and I mean one of the things I've got written down <coughs> was around um, you know you find a story you belong. To in that moment and then connect to it you know you don't yeah, and, and I think that's definitely one of the 
the key messages to take away is just make sure it's something that's going to have meaning and relate. And like you say, it's, it's going to have a long lasting impact on them. And that's what's going to, it goes back to a lot of the stuff we've, when we've touched on in previous episodes around the idea of philosophy, when we spoke to Phil and then the planned and periodization with, with, with Tony. And then even a lot of the bits that we touched on with Richard around people, there's, there's bits of that can come to life with the theming and the story and the journey that you then want to go on. Um, I think the key bit was when we asked him about you know, the five elements, so the the, the 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 landmarks that you need to try and find. So it was the key characteristics, the key moments in the story, the values you want to promote, and then the, the tokens that you want to use to bring it to life, and then obviously the language that you want to use around it. Because I he touched on I think with the F one around they wanted speed, speed of ball. So F one was a good one to connect to that for that element of speed. You can do it in a small little way like that to have a, a big impact than just trying to force feed a story on a group of people that just aren't actually interested. Yeah, it's, it's, it's finding a story that works for you. So we've always we've always said around coaching, um, it's all about understanding your environment and what works for who in what context and why. Now it's the same with user, user theming. Find a story that works for you. If it's just whacking and bonkers and there's no relation, it's not going to go off the ground, it's not going to work. So making sure that you, you plan it out and you think about it methodically before you just go, bam. You know, I think... But within that as well, though, you need to find your cultural architects that are going to be able to influence from within. And I think that's really important that, that you know, if you, you when you start this journey, you don't just go and have that conversation with yourself. You need to start including your co-coach as your captain, your, what's the word, the leadership group. To, to, to help influence that from within. Well, 100% you've got to get, that's got to be the same with everything you do. Whether it's a new playing style, you speak to the leaders, you speak, other players are going to get on board with this. And I think the big takeaway is that theming can be a massive part or it can be a really small part. And it's actually, all coaches use a bit of theming. I think I do without, without actually thinking about it. Like you give the examples of the South Africa using the bomb squad. So that's, that, that's theming to work the bench like that. Eddie Jones talking about the bench being finishers. Yeah, that's that's still kind of that's still theming in itself. So that's a small part of theming, but then you can explore it, you can expand it, and that's and that's where like I think David gave some really really cracking examples. Yeah, well, he talked about you can dial it up and dial it down, and how you know you, you the key thing with a theme is you don't want it to burn out. You don't want the players to get that bored of it. They're going, can we just stop talking about that now? you need to connect to them emotional points of the story that you want it to do, but then you need to have the checking dates to make sure that it's, you know, you still going along that journey at the pace that you want it to be at, that you're not overburning or overpowering it or sort of running over, it. Over egging the pudding, I think the old phrase is, Chris. Yeah. You want to keep, that, that, that's, that, that's a difficult balance for all of us coaches, is finding that balance of how much to put onto players and how much to take off. And that's probably one of the hardest things as a coach in whether it's giving them layering on technical, tactical, physical, psychological things onto our players is actually how much can we load on them at a certain time and how much should we just 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 relax with it? And that's where... And it's identifying that you've got to that peak, isn't it? And that you need to turn it down a little bit. Well, yeah, and that's where theming can be a real tool, but it can also be a real weapon. And I think that's a, that's a fine line in which... Only, only, only a coach in that environment will understand and be able to be able to measure because 
know, we can give you this advice. David could give you this advice. Now you can go and take it, but then you know how much of the players are going to be interested into it and how much, how much they're just not going to bother with it. Yeah, no. I agree. Another another great episode from a, from another another great guest. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with a, another episode on uh, on coaching behaviours. Uh, Tyler's got all of our social media details at the end. Uh, drop us a message. Let us know what you think, and we will see you next time. Cheers for listening. Don't forget to join in the discussion at Big Breakdown HQ on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs>